0: Welcome to the Steward's Inquiry on the winner's enclosure. Over the course of the next five weeks we're going to be looking at every race at the Cheltenham Festival and we're also going to be covering off some topics of interest along the way. Chris Dixon joins me and Chris it's just nice that it's become a bit warmer and hopefully we've got racing back on track.
1: Looks that way doesn't it? It's uh, certainly felt uh, a little bit better being out and about early on this morning than it was last week where It genuinely was absolutely Baltic and not just using the phrase either. It really was, temperature-wise, it was horrible. And obviously, hardly got any jump racing on, lost the all-weather meeting as well. So, it uh, it wasn't a great week, but hopefully onwards and upwards from here.
0: It's proved quite tricky for some of the key players going into the festival because they've missed sort of their prep races. Were you surprised with Nicky Henderson's news? Firstly, we'll start with Alti, or now going straight to the festival?
1: Um I wasn't that surprised, to be honest. Um, you know, Nicky Henderson, um, he's a, a past master at training horses, and he he'd obviously mapped out his time scales as to, to what he wanted to do. And when you read his quotes, and I, I know that there's probably a, a little bit of um frustration among racing fans that they want to see these horses a, a little bit more often, but he would have been working around Newbury been on Last weekend rather than the weekend coming and going on to the Sunday. I know it's only an extra day, but every day counts to some degree. He'll have mapped out what he was wanting to do, mapped out his program to get the horses to Cheltenham in peak condition. And he obviously just feels that that extra week, a week less of recovery, is something that with such a tight time scale is going to have an impact. And I think if you look at Altio, for example, who stood very little racing in recent times. If you go back to the last time he pulled off one of these acts and, and got a, a horse back to form in a champion chase, it was Sprinter Sacra as a 10-year-old back in 2016 when he beat and, uh Sprinter Sacra ran in the game spirit, uh, sorry, ran in the Desert Orchid at Kempton, didn't run again until Cheltenham and he came out and won. And I just wonder if that's in the back of their mind that they think it's the t- same time frame. We'll, we'll just take him for an away day rather than going to a race at Newbury. And then he'll be spot on for the championship. So I think that might be in the back of their minds as well.
0: Mm, it's amazing, isn't it? That he's actually only ran four times since winning his second Queen Mother in 2019.
1: Yeah, it is. Um, he, he had that unbelievable winning sequence, didn't he? October 2015 to April 2019, he was unbeaten. But we've only seen him a few times since. He was beaten by CNM. Uh, In November of 2019, and he's only had another couple of outings since. So he's obviously a horse that isn't the easiest nowadays. He's been ready to run and then not run on a few occasions. They've blamed the ground and things like that on occasion. But I think um, he's obviously a horse that isn't as easy um, and as sound as he was. And I think that'll be in the back of their mind as well that they know that they can probably keep him right without a race and get him to Cheltenham in one piece. And um, he won't be remembered. For going on and winning another game spirit but if he bounced back and won a champion chase which i think is unlikely then that would obviously have everyone talking it would be great to see
0: so out of out of the game spirits and champ in over two miles did that surprise you
1: that did surprise me It surprised me more so again when you read nikki henderson's reasoning behind it he's saying that mm. he's a horse who can be quite fresh he's got plenty of form over two and a half miles and things like that and they kind of feel that giving him a run over three miles just a few weeks before Cheltenham might not be the way to go. He's obviously a horse reading between the lines that are expecting to be fresh and maybe a little bit free on his seasonal return. And that's a lot less likely to happen over two miles in a game spirit. Now, he hasn't run over that trip on any occasion over obstacles. He's only two mile form, he's in bumpers. So I suspect it'll be too sharp for him. But they're not really thinking about the game spirit, are they? They're thinking Mm. about the Cheltenham Festival. And the gold cup
0: yeah and getting the fresh out of him and getting him onto a race course i know he has had that race course gallop over three miles but there's nothing like actually the buzz of of race day is there
1: no there isn't and i think if you if you go back to last year's rsa win and the way that he charged home to pull that out of the fire it was an unbelievable performance in many ways that the latter stages of that race and he's clearly a very strong stay so it's it's kind of hard not to see him finding it a little bit too sharp when the tempo picks up in the game spirit at the weekend. But as you say, it, it is about just um, the, the freshness out of him as much as anything else. And this is a proper prep race uh, for him. And uh, you would expect him to, to build on whatever he does at the weekend. He has had wind surgery since he last ran as well. So it'd be interesting to see if that has any sort of impact. But I, I doubt from an outsider, without knowing any reports afterwards, We won't really know the feeling on that um, because I suspect over two miles, you won't see him at his best.
0: Okay, and other talking points regard to Cheltenham. Um, The Tizard team are are a powerful team. They've had quite a frustrating time for quite some while. Do you think and feel that the corner's kind of turned now? And they're three from 12 over the last couple of weeks do you think they're they're back on track and, and their big hitters are going to fire at Cheltenham?
1: When you consider that in January they were 0 from 35, they're really wearing a rough patch. then it is much, much better. Even if you go back to December, they only had the six winners at a strike rate of, of 9%. So they have just been a little bit quiet for a couple of months. But the win of Native River in the rerouted Cotswold Chase, Floyd Joy winning a big price in a jumper's mm. bumper, and before both of those, Rose of Arcadia... Uh, winning at Warwick, they are very much back on track, and they've got some interesting runners, I think, Emma, coming up during the course of uh, this week.
0: I guess it's frustrating from a numbers point of view. You know, season this year they're they're twenty eight winners from two hundred and ninety runners. Nineteen twenty, they had sixty one, eighteen, nineteen, seventy seven, seventeen, eighteen, seventy nine. So it's those numbers that are massively down, isn't it? Which, I mean, must they must have been pulling their hair out because there's nothing worse when you haven't got obvious answers for it.
1: Yeah, they must have been to some degree. And without actually checking, they're not a stable that would have uh, too many summer jump sources. So year-on-year numbers you might think could be down on the basis that some stables would have a few winners during June when there wasn't any jumps racing at all. But there wouldn't be a stable that you'd associate with a lot of summer runners, really. So it is a, a bit of a concern. But February has been a good year for them in the past. January has on occasions been quiet for them previously. Not always, but it has now and again. So obviously a, a substandard December and a terrible January is not the numbers to some degree. But February can be a very good month for them. And, and I think as a result of having had a quiet time and probably being easier on the horses if they felt that they were sick or something, you might see them have a really productive spring.
0: OK, well, hopefully Native, Native River would have been um, a bit of a turning point and a, a tonic that was very much needed. We're going to change tack slightly now to the flat and an apprentice that's very much been catching the eye, and that's just an 18-year-old um, who's joined, who's been with John Gosden now for nine months or so, Benoit de la Sayette. You know a little bit about him. You've interviewed him. How much of an impression has he made on you?
1: Uh, a real impression. He he. he early on um riding it he caught my attention I I was working at Chelmsford as the pundit when he had his his first ever ride under rules in Britain and it was kind of eye-catching that apprentice rider claiming seven first ever ride it's not often that it's in the Godolphin blue for John Gosden so (laughs) you're immediately thinking well who's this kid um Mm. because you know, you you normally have your first ride in the trainer's own, own colours or something in the yard that you're attached to because he needs to let someone, he kind of has to take the flag. And clearly <laughs> John Gosden felt that Benoit de la was going to be good enough. I thought that day give the horse a good ride. He's striker it since. Uh, I think you have the numbers to hand. He's knocking on 25%, isn't he? Yeah,
0: he's eight from 24, which it's incredible how it's happened for him. Uh, we were having a chat a little bit earlier on and, the interesting thing about him is he's got the momentum now, but he's not really using it, is it? How much do you think John is going to keep the lid on things and just take it slowly, slowly, so he doesn't obliterate his claim too quickly, I suppose?
1: Yeah, I think he's going to be well-managed, isn't he? I'm not 100% certain who his agent is, but I'm sure that, that John Gosden will have a big input. And uh, Benoit Delosier's dad was an experienced rider. He was a leading amateur rider in France before he came over to, to Britain. Uh, and he was a big part of the Godolphin operation himself, I, I, I think. Um, and then at James Fanshaw's, his father, when he came over. So he's, he's got the right kind of team behind him to keep him right. Um, I, I don't think we'll know the answer to that fully until we get into the turf scene, but I think they will manage him. I think John Gosden will have an eye on some of the big handicaps uh, and thinking that, he would be willing to give Benoir a chance in those to, to use a claim on a highly weighted horse, perhaps. Um, and I suspect that they won't want him rattling off through the claim in absolutely no time, because to an extent, there is only so much you're going to learn riding around the same few all-weather tracks week in, week out. Um, so they'll want him to have plenty of opportunities on the grass. We've seen with another of the apprentices that has been a slower burner, but suddenly burst onto the scene in Laura Pearson, that she's decided to take a full month off during February and and not ride. She won't be back until March. So it is something that you see them do, seeing them being managed. But the one thing you'd say with Benoit de la Seyette is that he's got the right people around him to be well managed and they'll make uh, the right calls.
0: Mm. And how significant is it, do you think, that John Gosden's taken on an apprentice, the first time in 29 years?
1: Yeah, I, I didn't know it was the first time. I was kind of racking my brains and thinking, well, I can't think of one. Um, and so you're obviously aware that it is his first appearance in 29 years and I think that's massively significant to be honest and um, on every level this young lad seems to be extremely promising his um, what we've seen of him on the track has been good his strike rate is good he looks tidy he just doesn't look like a seven pound player that's less than 30 rides into his career and when you speak to him he's clearly clued up and uh, a level-headed young lad so uh, I think he's got a massive future ahead of him if he keeps on the right track.
0: Yeah, totally agree. His progress will be very interesting indeed to track. Reverting our attention um, back to Cheltenham now, what's your take on how fair the Irish horses are handicapped by the English?
1: Um, I, th- I think on balance, Emma, I, I think the handicappers do a pretty good job of getting it about right. My feeling is that you You kind of look and and think well, the Irish handicappers seem to do particularly well, but it's not as if they've absolutely wiped the floor with the the British handicappers at the big meetings along the way um If anything, they tend to do better in the the graded races uh, than, than just the handicap mm. so i I think the handicappers probably get it about right
0: I totally agree there's nine handicaps at the festival this year, and I went back and I looked at the last six winners of each of them and it's pretty level to be perfectly honest actually the english are slightly on top but there's not a lot between them but what it is it is interesting when you go through them is how good some of the irish winners have been of some of our handicaps your don polly's you're presenting percy's is there a case to say that sometimes we can get some extremely good unexposed irish horses in handicaps
1: I think that's definitely true. Ap Lutard would be another example. He, he won the novices handicap at, at the festival, didn't he? Um, before going off favourite, I think, for the, the following year's Ryanair, and he's right there in the Gold Cup picture this time around, and a horse that I'm sure will run well in that. Um, the names that you mentioned there, I think that's the key, really. Again, off the top of my head, without having any particular ev- evidence to, to back it up, My feeling is that the more exposed Irish handicappers probably don't do particularly well, but the ones that do extremely well will be those unexposed, particularly the novices that they've run in Ireland against the very best of the the Irish novices. They know that they're not up to, to getting the better of them. And so they revert to a handicap. Sometimes they've got a fair enough marks. They've been beaten an awful long way, but by potential superstars and they end up in handicap company having knocked heads with top level novices and themselves they've just got a little bit in hand of their mark i don't think it's a function of ireland or england i just think it's the the races that they're in it's the fact that the irish races i feel have a little bit more depth to them
0: well last week we focused on the top novice hurdles of the festival this week we're going to we're going to focus on the top novice chases we'll start with the arkle and this is turning out to appear to be some match between the top two.
1: It is. Um, it's a, a tremendous race between them, isn't it? Um, we discussed this last week after Nergamin had won again over in Ireland. And I, I, I said at the time that I, I was still favouring Shishkin. And in a sense, I am. But the flip side of that is that last week when we spoke about it, I hadn't looked at the prices. And ultimately, it, it's whether you're just trying to pick the most likely winner of the race or whether you're trying to find the horse that's the best value, in a sense, who's got the the, the better chance than their price suggests. And should really the difference be, as it is at the minute, 10 to 11 Shishkin, 5 to 2 an Anergamin? Is there that much difference between them? Probably not. And if I was forced to have... Yeah, a, I agree. I don't,
0: I don't think so.
1: No. That's, and, that's
0: and, what slightly sways it. You think, actually an ergamine at five to two slightly more attractive because is there that much between them on what we've seen it's difficult to know isn't it
1: it, it is difficult to know but an ergamine times are very good he's in a top stable so is Shishkin he, he they, they basically whatever you say about one of them you can say about the other one the one thing that Shishkin hmm. has got is Cheltenham Festival winning form so you factor that in a little bit but I'd be just in my head I expected to put up the market and basically see it as those two completely dominant, which they are, but then sort of be thinking on the day, even money, something like that, Shishkin, an ergamin, more like a six to four shot. As it is, Shishkin's a little bit shorter, a shade of odds on, and an ergamin is five to two, as big as 11 to four in place, and a few have got him at nine to four. So on balance, I have to go down my punter's mentality and think one horse is overpriced, the other is about right. Shishkin is the more likely winner, but if I had to have a financial investment, it would have to be an argument.
0: Mm, no, I totally agree with what you're saying. Do you think come the day they'll, they'll be a little bit closer regards to their prices, or do you think it is now what it is? Given, um, obviously, I, fingers crossed, they both have a perfect preparation.
1: I, I can see the prices being something more akin to what I just said. I, I, think, I, I can't see Shishkin shortening a great deal more than, than where he's at. Um, and, and Erg, I mean, I, I can see him shortening. So I, I think he's the one that you might get a bit of value on. Um, Shishkin could be nudged out a little bit, particularly as you get bookmakers on the, the day of the race wanting to, to nudge your horse out a little bit. The interesting way to play the race potentially could be from a an each-way angle, couldn't it? Because given that you've got the two big guns that are going to go head-to-head here, a good number might well decide to swerve it and so maybe getting an an each-way bet on at this stage would be the way to go. If you can get a bit of non-runner no-bet Sky Pirates, he might go for a handicap, but he could go here, and if you could get him each-way on the non-runner no-bet offer, then I think that could be quite a nice bet.
0: But basically, you think it's all about the big two?
1: Yeah, basically, I think it's all about the big two, and if I had to have a bet, and I'm not going to, but if I had to... um, Anergamine would be the, the one that i back backing out. I say I'm not going to. I might be half tempted. If those prices were there on the day, I probably would end up backing.
0: Okay. And what about the March Novices Chase? Again, we've got a short-price favourite here in the shape of Envoy Alain, who is hard to fault. He, you know, we've, we've got some, a lot of short-price um, Irish horses dominating a lot of our top races, but he's done nothing wrong, has he? And people have tried to find faults along the way, but it's quite hard to.
1: It is quite hard to find uh, fault with him, really. And, and I think um, he's always had that tall reputation, hasn't he? That, that he's kind of, it's gone before him. And sometimes it's been used by some as a, as a stick to beat him with, really. The fact that mm. um, he was expected to be so good. So it's not really surprised anyone because he always had this, this huge reputation. But he's a, he's a five-time grade one winner, including at the Cheltenham Festival. He's unbeaten in his career including uh, his starting points. And so he just looks like a real star. It's a very good novice chase division across the distances. We mentioned this last week. Um, but NYLN is the one that, because people have kind of avoided him because of that reputation to this point, he hasn't got that piece of form of offences yet where he's gone and beaten real top-notches necessarily. But I think we'll see that at some point. And, I still believe that he is a an outstanding horse.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. His average winning distance is just over four lengths. He's not a horse that, that ever goes and obliterates a field. He just does mm. enough. But um, he's he's pretty special on what we've seen so far. what What's an alternative? I mean, again, the obvious thing to do is look for, for some each-way value here.
1: Yeah, and I, I guess the, the race at Sandown uh, where Sporting John... Uh, wore down Shan Blue um, would be a, a reasonable enough place looking at the market to, to try and find that alternative. I must admit, for all that Sporting John came out on top on that occasion, it was brutal conditions at Sandown. They were walking home, and I don't think that's really what Shan Blue wants. I think Shan Blue will reverse that form with Sporting John if the two of them line up in this race. And if I was going to have an each way bet in the race right now, it would be Shan Blue. He's a strong travelling horse. Um, the track will suit him really well. The ground, whatever happens with it, it can't be as bad as it was at Sandown that day. I'm sure it can't. So that would suit him. And uh, if I was going to have an each-way bet right now, it would be it would be Shambly.
0: OK, well, I'd be looking at Chatham Street-Lad each-way. He's three from five over fences this term. He's improving, certainly improved four fences. Good effort, I thought, beating Midnight Shadow in the Caspian Gold Cup um and then it was too sharp over two miles one last time he's a decent price and that was um that was that was my sort of each way stab in the dark but yeah very very different to be honest to look beyond the favorite envoi alain um what about in the brown advisory <laughs> another short one here with monkfish <laughs> can any can anything beat this one
1: uh, i don't think so um he he's just looked brilliant we spoke about him obviously after the dublin racing festival monkfish and and how good he was and I was commenting that I just felt his jumping was very slick and accurate um, you said that you, you felt that he was a real athletic horse and even when he gets in tight he can put himself right and, and he, he seems nimble and quick on his feet doesn't he?
0: He certainly does, he just, he gets himself out of any situation, he looks, he was the one that I just sort of watched and thought wow at the Dublin Festival. Um, mm. He looks extremely difficult to fault in anyway, wouldn't you say?
1: Yeah, I, no, I think he is. And I, I think on balance, if, if I had to nail my colours to the mast of one of the short prize favourites in this novice chase division, he would be the one that I'd go for. His jumping has looked fantastic. He's going to scare a good number off. He's in a top stable and we'll get him there right. He's got Cheltenham Festival winning form last year. What is there to, to knock him with, really, other than his price? And it's not as if it's any shorter, particularly, than, than the others, I don't think. I haven't got the, the latest price in front of me. But um, he's, he's not that much shorter, I don't think, than NYLN or Shishkin is. And I don't think he'll have as much to beat. The biggest form dangers to him, um, levels run to so far, NYLN for example, or he's going to run in the other races we've discussed. Royal Pagai it looks as though in the same ownership, he's probably going to end up in the Gold Cup and and that's where they're aiming. So his his very biggest dangers are horses that might well run elsewhere and then you've got horses such as Latest Exhibition who wasn't far behind him at the festival last year but has been whammed by him over fences so far this season. Do
0: you think Monkfish um, pleasantly surprised you last time that he looked like he had a bit more natural speed?
1: Yeah, that, that was the thing that really did sort of take the breath away last time out because he was dropping back in trip to an extended two mile five furlongs. It was the way that he very quickly just scooted clear and seemed to pick up and mm. just look a faster horse as well as a stronger stayer that he's looked in the past. He looked very, very quick, didn't he? So I think this is a horse that's pretty much got it all and um, he's, he's going to be very difficult to beat.
0: So rule up the guy he may or may not line up. The big breakaway, do you think this will be his target?
1: I think it probably will. Um, you know, they, they could go down the route of of um, running him in the National Hunt chase of a three-mile six that is now. It's been reduced from four miles. They, they may well uh, look to go down that particular route. He's, he's going to need to jump better than he did at uh, Kempton when he was behind Shan Blue over Christmas. That's something that will... Have to improve, but that could be helped by um, going up in distance a little bit. He obviously ran very well at last year's Cheltenham Festival in the intermediate distance um, novices hurdle. Uh, I expect that this is where he'll go. And obviously, the way that the stable we've discussed already are hopefully going to hit a little bit of form that might enhance his chance a little bit in the run up to the festival.
0: Brilliant, Chris. Thank you very much indeed. That's us covering off the novice novice chasers of the festival. I'm sorry, there. Some fairly short-priced favourites in most of them, but they do look all fairly solid and just brilliant races in prospect. We've also covered off some interesting topics of the week. We'll be back later in the week and hopefully, fingers crossed, racing is back on track.